Just a guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Matthew 22. And uh, before we get started with the reading, let's go ahead and uh, go to God in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. I'm grateful for who you are and the fact that you love me. And that it's through your love, your grace, and your mercy that I can have a relationship with you. So, Father, I pray as we read today that your word would be what we hear, that it be your wisdom that we would take, that there would be nothing from me. Holy Spirit, speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, chapter 22 is a little bit long, and after we read it, we're going to read a little bit from A.W. Tozer. It's just a lot of really good and insightful information here. And what Tozer said and speaks about touches my heart, and so I just thought I'd share it with you. So with that, let's get started. Verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited, that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted calf or cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite, the bank, invite to the banquet anyone you find. <clears throat> so the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they f- could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So this really comes down to basically, again, Israel. That God has sent his his prophets. He sent his son and they are ignoring him. And in fact, they're going to kill his servant. Verse 15, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent, they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who, to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. 
That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and third brother, right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, You are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry or nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? The son of David, they replied. He said to them, How is it then that David, speaking by the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and for that, from that day on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So, the Pharisees continue to do what the Pharisees were doing, which is trying to trap Jesus. Instead of trying to figure out who he was and really how much they love him, or why he's doing what he's doing, and is he really the, the Messiah, they're, they're trying to trap him, because they're looking at their own power. They're also potentially just blind. They're blind with their pride, with their thought that they are so knowing and so smart. But whatever the reason is, they're like that, those guests who don't come to the wedding. And it's really one of the, it's really a shame, but then that opens the doors and it's why God makes it, you know, makes salvation through Jesus available to all of us. So when we're looking at, others who have commentary on this. I found um, Tozer. He focused on verses 34 through 40 that say, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. When I read that, I just like always get kind of amazed because it doesn't say be the smartest, know all the rules. It says love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. 
So Tozer goes on to say, the command to love God with our whole being has seemed to, to many persons to be impossible of fulfillment. And it may be properly argued that we cannot love by fiat. Love is too gentle, too frail, a creature to spring up at the command of another. It would be like commanding the barren tree to bring forth fruit or the winter forest to be green. What then can it mean? The answer is found in the nature of God. I'm sorry, the nature of man and of God. God being who he is must have obedience from his creatures. Man being who he is must render that obedience. And he owes God complete obedience. Whether or not he feels for him the faintest trace of love in his heart, it is a question of sovereign right of God to require his creatures to obey him. Man's first and basic sin was disobedience. When he disobeyed God, he violated the claims of divine love with the result that love for God died within him. Now what can he do to restore that love to his heart again? The answer to that question is given in one word, repent. The heart that mourns its coldness toward God needs only to repent its sins and a new warm and satisfying love will flood into it. For the act of repentance will bring a corresponding act of God in self-revelation and intimate communion. Once the seeking heart finds God in personal experience, there will be no further problem about loving him. To know him is to love him, and to know him better is to love him more. Those who have dealt with the ugly problem of sin in their own hearts will find no difficulty with the doctrine of God and his present invisibility. They do not see him, it is true, but they experience him in a thousand inward encounters. They can say with true conviction, Jesus Christ is he whom, having not seen, I love. So that struck me very important. I feel like there's probably, despite all that I do, there's still a rebellious element in my heart and that I need to repent on a daily basis. And often I don't. I pray in the mornings and I pray for guidance, but not always and not consistently do I pray for my sins. And it's when I pray for those sins as I did today and forgiveness for those sins that my heart got touched a lot more today. So on this journey, it's, I'm finding I can do a lot of things. I can do what, God, what I think God is telling me to do. But unless I truly seek his forgiveness each and every day for each and every moment, I really can't change much. So with that, I'm going to go in, say it, close us in prayer. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done. You are the creator of all. And I'm so grateful for who you are, what you've done. And I just pray that you would watch over us as we go about our days. And may we understand what it means to truly repent. May, may we understand what it truly means to love you with all our heart and all our soul. Father, I just praise you for your grace and your mercy. And I lift up this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.